0: Welcome to Sidebar, discussions with local, state, and national experts about protecting our most critical individual and civil rights. Co-hosts, LaDean's Jackie Gardena and Mitch Winnick.
1: Welcome back to Sidebar. We are excited to have you join us again as we continue to explore our constitutional and civil rights. Today, we are going to focus again on the power of state legislatures, an often overlooked and underappreciated aspect of our democracy. I want to thank all of you who have listened to the podcast up to this point and to welcome you who may be new listeners. My name is Jackie Gardena. I'm the Dean of the Colleges of Law with campuses in Ventura and Santa Barbara, and I'm here with my co-host, Mitch Winnick.
0: Thank you, Jackie. My name is Mitch Winnick, and I'm the Dean of Monterey College of Law. We also have campuses in San Luis Obispo, Bakersfield, and Santa Rosa. And Jackie, I'm very excited to hear our guest, Joel Rogers, today. Although, as have a number of our guests, there's some pretty alarming issues going on that I hope he not only will help us understand how they're coming about, but even better, how to go forward with them.
1: Just to give some... Um, background to how I came to know Joel Rogers and the work that he's engaged in. I first became aware of his work after Trayvon Martin's death in 2012. And just to remind people about that, Trayvon Martin was the 17-year-old African-American young man who was walking home when George Zimmerman, supposedly on a neighborhood Mm -hmm. patrol, shot him. And George Zimmerman was able to successfully use Florida's Stand Your Ground law when he was charged with this murder. And that Stand Your Ground law and George Zimmerman's use of it actually brought to light in a way that hadn't really been evident before the efforts of the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC, The newspaper started to report that ALEC had been the force behind drafting the law, put lobbying power and money behind it, and getting it signed into law. But not just in Florida, but in 24 other states that had almost identical laws. And it was really part of a larger effort to push gun rights at the state level at a time when perhaps they couldn't get any traction at the national level. So it's when I really came to appreciate that state legislatures were not simply addressing local concerns or addressing state-specific issues, but that there was an organized effort to pass state laws as part of a national agenda
0: And Jackie, you mentioned earlier, this isn't the first time that we've discussed the role that state legislatures have been playing in changing really fundamental constitutional rights. In this case, it goes to the role that ALEC has played at the state level in modifying Second Amendment gun rights. So how did your interest in ALEC lead you to Joel Rogers, our guest today?
1: So I started to do some research on ALEC and its work And then I became interested in what could be done to counter it. And that's when I was introduced to our guest, Joel Rogers. Joel Rogers is the Noam Chomsky Professor of Law, Public Affairs and Sociology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Rogers has written widely on party politics, democratic theory, and cities and urban regions. He has worked with and advised many politicians and social movement leaders And he was identified by Newsweek as one of the 100 living Americans most likely to shape U.S. politics and culture in the 21st century. Wow. To leave time to actually speak with Joel, I've left out a significant number of accolades. There is one I must mention because it is what prompted the invitation to counter Alex's efforts, the ones that I just... earlier, Joel Rogers started something called the American Legislative and Issue Campaign Exchange, or ALICE. And in 2014, ALICE became or merged into an organization called the State Innovation Exchange, or SIX. Welcome to Sidebar, Joel.
2: Great to be here.
1: Let's
0: start first with a little bit more information about the juxtaposition between ALEC and ALICE. I think a lot of people who are listening do not realize that there are organizations that are creating bills that then get copied and replicated up to two dozen states, 50 states. Tell us a little about how that works and and your involvement
2: in it. It was started by Paul Wyrich and a few colleagues. Paul Wyrich actually graduated from the University of Wisconsin. It was a Catholic conservative who was very interested in uh, moving American politics to the right. And he and other colleagues recognized that a point of vulnerability long neglected by the official left or progressives or whatever, you know, more justice enhancing Democrat or movements call themselves these days uh, were state legislatures, as Jackie was saying at the outset. You don't have to be a master of constitutional law to understand that uh, we have a, a, a government of limited powers, that is, it's limited in theory only to those powers expressly given it in the Constitution. The states, on the other hand, are assumed to have plenary powers, except any limitations that their own state constitution puts on them. And that means that basically anything that you're concerned with, with the possible exception of war or the Federal Reserve is free game at the state level. States can really, really affect the degree to which you enjoy declared federal rights, the degree to which those rights can be effectively reversed in in meaning in their statement at the state level. States are the big kahuna of American politics. And what Weirich and others recognized was that they were so vulnerable because they are sort of pre-modern institutions, these state legislatures. They generally don't meet year-round. Some of them meet only once every couple of years. They have very low staffing. They're not highly uh, professionalized in any way. And with uh, the introduction of caps on how often you can get reelected, uh, which hold in many legislatures, they churn a, a fair amount they have way more recognized uh, lobbyists at them than, than legislators. And the legislators themselves are, you know, they used to go to a state legislature when you're looking to get into some higher level of office. And that is still a little bit the case. But with the nationalization of politics, with the with the overwhelming power of money in our politics, you often don't need to go through the legislature route and do your, do your service there before you can go higher up. And in general, as, as you guys know, I'm sure your readers know, politics itself is less and less attractive as a vocation for lots of people.
0: Jackie and I would like to take a quick minute to recommend a great podcast that, like ours, is dedicated to understanding the big issues facing our democracy. An Honorable Profession profiles the rising stars in American politics. From mayors to attorney generals, An Honorable Profession gives listeners a view from the front lines of our democracy. Check out An Honorable Profession wherever podcasts are found.
1: just for the listeners, when you use the term progressive, how are you defining that? Well,
2: th- that's a really good question. I'm really glad you answered it. I don't know exactly how it should be defined, but I define it as making progress on the founding very radical uh, ideals uh, of this country. I mean, I know this place is a settler colony infected by white supremacy and racism, and it's a capitalist system, and it's, He's got a bad, a bunch of bad stuff going on, but if you could imagine what Lincoln's interpretation of the Constitution, I would think a progressive is somebody who's making progress on realizing those sorts of ideals.
1: Because so kind of that uh, moving us towards that more perfect, yeah, union. more
2: perfect union, more democracy, and more opportunity, basically, more more opportunity for everybody to do something with this unbelievable gift we have uh, called life. Uh, What Weirich recognized, though, and what the the right in general recognizes uh, and acts on much more successfully than progressives is uh, the hard work of doing politics. And it's hard only because it's often very boring. The hard work of doing politics is the way in which you get real power outside of being a gazillionaire. That's one way of having real power. The other way is by capturing and controlling public power. So Wyrich recognized very early on and his colleagues recognized that these state legislatures were people basically who, you know, were not really that into what they were doing. They never got the respect that uh, constitutional offices of the state level got. And they were very understaffed and looking for some way to do their jobs more, not necessarily a higher degree of self-respect, but a higher degree of efficacy. And so that If you could get a bunch of business people around who wanted to get some law passed and promise to write the law for them and then back them, if they were willing to carry the law, you could get a big audience of people. And that's essentially what ALEC is.
0: We're going to take a brief break to hear from our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to talk with Joel Rogers about where does ALEC get its money?
3: Is your skill level in desktop software inhibiting productivity as a current or future legal professional? Would an elevated understanding of basic office technologies such as Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and PDF help streamline your workday? The Legal Technology Assessment (LTA) by ProCertus is a benchmark assessment and a training platform for law students and all legal professionals. Our online application establishes fluency within the most widely used tools of the trade. ProCertus is reshaping online learning. Come check us out at www.procertus.com.
2: Welcome to the future of legal intelligence.
0: Trellis, a state trial court research and analytics solution. Trellis offers state trial court records for legal research with analysis on judges opposing counsel, verdicts, motions, dockets, and legal issues. Use Trellis to discover how judges have ruled on similar motions or to gain insight into opposing counsel, prospects, and clients. To learn more or to request a Trellis demo, reach out to Mike Suarez at mike at trellis.law or visit our website trellis.law. Welcome back to our conversation with Joel Rogers about state government.
1: Just to, to describe for a moment the business plan behind ALEC, because I think juxtaposing it against kind of other organizations and how they operate. Where does ALEC get its money?
0: Jackie, I am so glad you asked that, because the lack of transparency about where these legislative initiatives are funded is is one of my greatest concerns
2: well al gets its money from its sponsoring businesses and a little bit not not much from from its uh, legislative members it gets money from right-wing foundations it gets money from all sorts of corporations that that throw in uh it it is it is incorporated as a c3 as you know or ought to know of the regulation of of money in American politics has reached uh, a new nadir. Um, you know, it was going downhill ever since Buckley v. Valeo, when the Supreme Court then said, well, money is speech. And so far as we're concerned, speech trumps political equality. So even though you've got a lot of inequality in money, we're not really going to regulate it much. And, and they pursued that to a point now where it's essentially unregulated.
1: Well, and, and I think what took me by surprise is not only do corporations pay membership fees, uh, I think it's 12000 or $15,000 a year, right. but that ALEC is actually organized as a 501c3, which you identified, which means that all of those, quote unquote, donations are tax deductible to that
2: corporation. Right, right.
0: And just the other thing I saw, Jackie, as we were preparing for this, is that they, as a charity, they then give out, quote, grants, close quotes, to elected officials in the states that Joel's discussing that essentially pay them to then come and participate in the meetings where they draft this model legislation and vote on what they're going to pursue on a national campaign level.
2: And ALEC uh, successfully refurbished the Castle Doctrine as Stand Your Ground, the Stand Your Ground Doctrine. And the people behind that particular thing were the uh, Corrections Corporation of America and a number of other people who were in ALEC and thought, you know, this this is a great way to get more people in. NRA was a supporter. But ALEC, because it had the state legislators paid, and Mitch is absolutely right, you get grants to go to the conferences and then you don't even have to reflect it on your 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 expenditures in terms of your state legislative accounting. You get grants to go to the conferences. The conferences are at nice places, you know, not necessarily super plush resorts, but you know, very nice, um, you know, nicely acquitted places. You have a nice time, and people feed you at every conference. Well, here are the bills that we'd encourage you to uh, to introduce this year. And uh, here are the corporations who are responsible or have lead interest in these bills. And these corporations are quite available should you show some quote unquote leadership in carrying this legislation to make contributions to your campaigns. It's a pretty winning ticket. But in Wisconsin, uh, we had a recent uh, a governor named Scott Walker, who was, he came into Wisconsin politics largely through uh attacking uh, a largely corrupt pension scheme that the county of Milwaukee had. So that made him famous as a, you know, a crusading right winger. And when he got to the legislature, he immediately introduced several bills from Alec. I think eight different bills. Uh, He was carrying 12. He got eight in. And that signaled in a very nice way. Uh, go to an ALEC conference and run back in the the state legislature and put up and scream about putting up a whole bunch of ALEC bills. And that will get ALEC's attention and make you a lot of friends um, the rest of your life. And you were friends with Walker through his whole whole career.
0: Let me just jump in here for a second, Jack. And Joel, just to put the scale of this out there, because somebody could be listening and say, well, what's the big deal? So he puts a few bills up. Some get passed, some don't. What's the big deal? But the Center for Public Integrity did a study a few years ago over an eight-year period, and it wasn't just a few bills. Oh, no, it's hundreds and thousands. thousands? 10,000 of these bills and 2,100 of them were enacted. So so this is not a small impact. This is potentially a huge impact. And some of these bills get enacted in 25, 30
2: states. Yeah, as, as did the stand-the-ground bills uh, that Jackie was talking about.
0: Joel, at, at the risk of, of kind of being doom and gloom here, nah, we nah. started by talking about some of the, the fears, and, and that is really what worries me, is, is after I read some of your materials and dug more into Alec, and even what Alice was doing in response, what I worry about is the process. Deceptive titles in bills that mislead the voters mm. as to what's actually going on, the use of questionable experts that are put on a national tour to support these bills, uh, the move of congressional g- gridlock at the feds down to the states, and ultimately this idea that corporate policy seems to step up above public policy. Yeah. So, I, I I get all of that. I'm worried about it. It, it makes me heart sick in some ways as a lifetime political animal and lawyer. What, what do we do about all that? I know you're, you're bringing awareness in, but can you give us some other lifelines on what should we all be doing?
2: Well, uh, I mean, what you should do is, you know, you got a problem. And as they say, the first thing to solve a problem is to recognize you have one. Uh, uh, so, first thing you should recognize the severity of of the 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 threats to a pro- to a certain project. It's not a uniquely American project, but we uh you know we were the first uh, i don't know gigantic uh multiracial entity out there pushing this pretty hard uh it's called democracy. it's the idea that People should be free and equal in determining the conditions of their own association, how they want to live their lives. And that's a beautiful idea.
0: After this brief break to hear from our sponsors, we're going to come back and talk with Joel Rogers about how can we, the public, find out Who is behind these types of special interest bills?
3: The hybrid online JD program at Monterey College of Law offers the flexibility to attend classes remotely.
0: Two factors for me when choosing a law school
1: were that it needed to be accredited and offer an online option. The hybrid program allows me to attend classes remotely, which really helps fit my professional and personal schedule. The program is structured and rigorous and taught by professors currently practicing in the legal field.
3: To learn more, or to apply for their next term, visit MontereyLaw.edu.
0: For more information about Jackie Mitch and Sidebar, go to SidebarMedia.org.
1: The future of law is protecting personal information online. It's ensuring patients' rights are protected. It's knowing how to manage your own business. At the Colleges of Law, you'll find programs built for change to address whatever the future of the legal industry might bring. The Colleges of Law, built for change, built for you. Find your future at collegesoflaw.edu.
0: Welcome back to our conversation with Joel Rogers about state government. As we were preparing for this, I read about the Data Science for Social Good Fellowship yeah. Program at the University of Chicago, and they came up with what they called a legislative influence detector. But when I read about it, what it made me do is address the question, how could we go forward and how could we get more transparency into the legislative bill process? How could we yeah. find out who's paying for these bills, who's paying for these legislators? Campaign finance reforms probably a lost cause for a while, But let me throw out a simple idea and see what you would think about it. Why couldn't we have the Congressional Budget Office be required at the federal level to do an analysis of each of these bills and at least have one little part of their analysis that that says who's paying for it? And why couldn't we pursue that at the state legislative level as well?
2: Okay, well, the Congressional Budget Office doesn't do that for bills either, I know. Yeah, I, mean, I know. They they just do the the cost stuff, and people are. I mean, there are a variety of of watchdog groups out there on Alec uh, and other people, and it's you know it, it it's a little complicated. It's work, but yeah, you could certainly do that. You could certainly insist on much greater transparency in all sorts of other ways. I mean, you could you could do, for example, you could do estimates. You could require whatever your fiscal bureau is, not your legislative reference bureau, but your fiscal bureau to estimate possible incidence effects like if this bill passes who is going to pay the most and, and that's what the earn groups uh do you've got a variety of earn groups uh, that's the economic analysis research network but they do that all the time for for uh, state legislation I, I don't know you could you could market your idea to uh to people at six and see if they want to take it on and push it among a bunch of the legislators uh, uh, I'm not going to do it for you, though. Um, but yeah, you, you <laughs> can do it. Yeah.
0: At the end of the day, at the end of the day, isn't transparency the true answer? I mean, isn't isn't that what starts to cure some of these ills?
2: Well, sunlight is certainly a very good disinfectant, uh, but it's not the only disinfectant. You know, I, I really think rational hope uh, is, is the thing that's the most important that you've got to build. You, you've got to you got to show people that you're not crazy to think about the future without feeling very sad. I mean, that, that's where I usually start. Just get people, get them some sense of agency. Like, you can make a difference. And, um, you know, just open your ears and not your mouth and try to check your your responses. And, you know, it, it finally comes down to, I hate to sound like a hippie here, but it comes down to, you know, loving your neighbor.
1: I want to circle back to something that you said earlier and try to unpack it, which is the state innovation exchange or or six. It has been described as the ALEC killer or the answer to ALEC. And you said six doesn't want to be perceived as that. So I want to think about that for a minute, because I think one of the things that we've struggled with in our current political environment is fighting fire with fire, a tit for tat. If one side engages in certain conduct or behavior, well, we've got to counter that um, with the same quote-unquote fight or tenacity. What is it about Alec that Six does not want to imitate? What is it that's not the tit for tat?
2: Well, it has a very, very different model to, uh, to begin with. You know when the moving figure writes the total on all our lives it might have six on one side and alec on the other right and it might balance it out that way but certainly it's got a radically different model the reason why i started alice which was doing the same stuff that alec was doing only it was doing stuff at the municipal level as well as the state level which then alec a sort of weird i don't know i could could take it as a compliment, then started imitating itself. It used to just be state stuff, and now it does state and municipal. And it was called American Legislative and Initiative Campaign Exchange, obviously, to invoke the the ALEC stuff. We used to say Alice was just the, you know, the post-ALEC, stronger, uh, more female, Madonna-like, tough, tough tough-loving woman rather than, you know, measly, uh, horrible ALEC uh brutalized child uh you know axe murder or whatever yeah but that aside
0: i'm glad you're willing to tell us how you really feel so don't no no no
2: i I mean (laughs) look uh, this is a very imperfect country but i was born here i'm probably going to die here and it's given me a lot and it could be capable of incredible constructive stuff in the world and i very much want to keep this species going i really do i mean as imperfect as it is I think it has a lot of unrealized potential. So I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm as green as you come, and I, I, you know, I don't like the nuclear war threats, and I want, so I want to get rid of the existential threats. Uh, let people continue to crowd into cities, get the cities well organized, and want us to live better together and with nature. You know, that's that's my goal in life. All right, but back to the Alec thing. I, I'm not sure I'm answering your question. Well, the, the
1: I think how do you how do you and and this is going to be a really raw way to say it but how do you kind of combat a secretive well-funded organization with a what what one might suggest is a a better or more democratic approach which is a transparent no. open Uh, with funding that is perhaps not uh, associated with corporate profits. How do you win in that fight given those those asymmetrical kind of power?
2: Through irony and guile, the way we always win. So now we've got to get back to the business of building a society fit to live in. And that has always been the task of any reasonable mankind or people kind or whatever the Politically, way correct way to speak about the species is, and that's what we got to do. But then people might say, "Well, that doesn't sound like fun." And then I'd say, "Well, what do you think of fun as then? If talking to people and spreading light and love in the world and getting some back and laughing your ass off isn't fun, what what is your idea of fun?" Right. I'm not talking about going to endless meetings and out. uh, You know, I don't know highly expressive politics and cancel culture and all that stuff. And I'm just talking about getting some stuff done, improving your community.
1: I think encouraging people to to live and love and laugh their asses off is probably a really good place to end.
2: Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Let's leave it there. Yeah. Okay.
1: Joel, thank you so much for joining us today on Sidebar. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak. Well,
2: back at you. This was a total gas. And keep it up, guys.
1: Mitch, we have spent several episodes talking about the importance of state legislatures. And, and two things have come up in both David Peppers and David Knowles, which is this idea that, that there's a national agenda that's being funneled through the state legislatures. And David Pepper talked about an organization called ALEC, It didn't come up directly in in David Knowles, but certainly was kind of implicit. When did you first become aware of this organization called ALEC? I wasn't
0: as aware of ALEC as I was aware of their results, because I was aware that model bills were being designed and circulated and funded across multiple states. It really wasn't until we started listening to the issues related to state government and how powerful state government is becoming in this country, that I realized that model bills, funding model bills, funding experts to go and talk about model bills across multiple states were coming from this organization called ALEC.
1: What ALEC stands for, it's the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC for short, And it is a national organization, largely funded by corporations, that basically drafts bills and successfully across the country gets almost identical bills passed in states. Mitch, the first time it came to my attention was with the Stand Your Ground law in Florida when Trayvon Martin was killed and George Zimmerman successfully used it and the newspaper started talking about how the Stand Your Ground law didn't just exist in Florida. It had been passed in in 24 other states. And it really brought to my attention the idea that state legislatures aren't working on local issues only. And it was really through that Trayvon Martin experience that I got to know Joel Rogers and the work that he's done to counter some of the work that ALEC is doing, or at least to provide another approach to influencing state legislatures and really moving us towards a more democratic and sustainable type of democracy here in the United States. I have to say, Mitch, when we came into this conversation, I was feeling a little doom and gloom, and I think you raised that as well at the beginning, but I have to say, Joel Rogers actually gave me hope. I think he has throughout his career always tried to contribute something positive. And his kind of message that we just need to come together and take action was simple, but really hopeful for me.
0: Well, I have to agree, Jackie, as you know, because I texted you before the program, I, I wish we could pick some topics that didn't depress me so much. And I I was worried about what is the future if we have these huge forces crafting model bills that are going after limiting asbestos claims, limiting nursing home claims, giving greater rights to guns, tackling minimum wage, even changing court rules. And that to read that there's this national organization moving these types of issues state by state across all 50 states, I was overwhelmed. But exactly what you just said, what Joel Rogers reminds us is it's the human part of us, not just the legal process part of this, that is the answer. He did mirror What both David Pepper and David Knoll said, which is if we did more listening and less talking, listen to our neighbors, listen to our communities, and tried to find consensus at the local level, that really is the answer. So I think we're three for three on that being the takeaway.
1: And I think, again, back to that simple message, having confidence in our goodwill I really appreciated that statement because I think it is missing in our interactions on a day-to-day level, that idea that we come with goodwill. And if we start there, then uh, hopefully we can move towards that more perfect union that Joel is so hopeful for. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sidebar. As always, you can visit with us on sidebarmedia.org. Both Mitch and I would love to hear your thoughts, not just about what you've heard, but also what you might like to hear about. So tell us what's on your mind.
0: Thank you to our sponsors, trellis.law, Resertus. And a special thank you to our producer, music writer, and performer of all the original music on this program, David Eakin, and our social media maven, GoGo zoger.
1: Colleges of Law and Monterey College of Law are part of a larger organization called California Accredited Law Schools. All of our schools are dedicated to providing access and opportunity to a legal education to marginalized communities.
0: For more information about the California Accredited Law Schools, go to calawschools.org. That's calawschools.org.